0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 24, how Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, faithfully represented Abraham by speaking, serving, and causing people to listen to him so he could complete his mission in finding a bride. Was challenged in finding a bride in Rebekah due to the obstacles presented by her brother Laban. Now, we want to thank you for your listenership and your support of the Friendship with God radio program. And we also want to encourage you to be a one-time or monthly supporter of this unique Bible teaching radio program. And by you supporting Friendship with God, you will help to keep this Bible teaching radio program going on this station in your city. Now, you won't find any Bible teaching program on radio like Tom Cantor in Friendship with God, expository teaching out of Genesis that spans into every book of the Bible. Now, from the perspective also of a saved-born, Again, Jewish man teaching about the Jewishness of the Scriptures and the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We would like to encourage you to donate today by mail or by going online or calling us now or after the program at 800 247 3051 That's 800 247 3051 Again, 800 247 3051 You can also donate online at friendship with God. Friendshipwithgod.org. And you can also mail in your support by writing to FriendshipWithGod, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, 92071. Again, that's P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. 071. So again, Friendship with God, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, 92071. Now let's begin our Bible study with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God.
1: A couple of Sundays ago when I kept calling him Eliezer and he said, it doesn't say as this was Eliezer. <laughs> and he's right. I keep calling him Eliezer because it's easier to say Eliezer than the servant. Isn't it interesting to you? that in this longest chapter in Genesis, a chapter that is filled with so many details, that there is an omission of the name of the star in the chapter? I mean, you know, we say Eliezer, you know, like not says, it's never stated. I mean, if you want to talk about something that's conspicuous by its absence, it's the name of the star. I mean, verse 2 in Genesis 24, it starts off by saying, "...the eldest servant in Abraham's house..." And then we have a total of 13 times in this chapter he's called the servant, the servant of Abraham. Wouldn't it have be been easier for God just to have told us his name was Eliezer, and then, you know, what would have been so terrible for those 13 times if we just used one word, Eliezer, instead of two words, the servant, you know? It's so obviously purposeful that his name, the servant, has been omitted. Why? What's the significance of omitting this very important person's name? Well, when it comes time for him to make his speech, he doesn't even give his name. He says, I'm Abraham's servant. He doesn't even identify his name. The scripture doesn't identify his name. That's significant. Because we guess, I keep saying Eliezer, and I'm not doing it justice. He's never identified. Why? For the simple reason of this. He has not come here to speak about himself. Eliezer has not come here to speak about himself. Everything he speaks about is about Abraham. And everything he says is about Abraham. And there's nothing about himself. And he prefers to not even give his name because he's not part of the message. The message is Abraham. Does that remind you of any person in the Bible who has not come to speak about himself? The Holy Spirit. Now you might want to turn to this. John 16, 13 through 15. John 16, verses 13 through 15. See, here is speaking about the Holy Spirit. And it says here, how be it, when he, the Spirit of truth, he's not even called the Holy Spirit here. his name is kind of omitted here, the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he'll show you things to come. He shall glorify me, not himself, see he shall receive of mine and show it unto you all things that the Father hath given are mine. Therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now, in verse 13, as we just saw here, it says the Holy Spirit will not speak of himself. He won't speak of himself. So when you have people or a meeting or a church where the focus is on the Holy Spirit, this is the church of the Holy Spirit or, you know, instead of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be sure that that's not a people or a meeting that the Holy Spirit is actually at work in because they're talking about the Holy Spirit. And here in verse 13, it says that the Holy Spirit is not going to speak of Himself. So if the spotlight or the emphasis is on the Holy Spirit and the works of the Holy Spirit, woo, all these great things, look at the Spirit did this and the Spirit did that and I'm falling over because of the Spirit and the Spirit on you and the Spirit on you. Anyway, if all the emphasis is on the Holy Spirit, you can be sure the Holy Spirit's not working there because the Holy Spirit will not speak of Himself. In this verse 13, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth, Because he guides into all truth. And in verse 14, the Lord Jesus Christ said that the Holy Spirit will glorify not himself. Like Eliezer didn't glorify himself, he glorified the Lord Jesus. The message of the Holy Spirit is the Lord Jesus Christ. The message of the Holy Spirit is not the Holy Spirit. The message of the Holy Spirit is to not speak of himself. This is just the same as it is here with Eliezer. The message of Eliezer is not Eliezer. That's why his name's not given in the whole chapter here. The message of Eliezer is Abraham. Eliezer is glorifying Abraham. And the Holy Spirit is glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. So how does the Holy Spirit glorify the Lord Jesus Christ? It says in John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. See, he glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ by teaching us about the Lord Jesus Christ and by causing us to remember all the things that the Lord Jesus Christ has said to us in our quiet times, in church, on the radio, in talking with other believers, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He reminds us. And so from where does the Holy Spirit do all this work? It says in John 14, 17, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So from inside of us, He lives in our hearts, in the hearts of every believer, and the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. They can't know the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit does a specific work in us that is a work of revealing. He's uncovering, and it says that in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 14. It says, God hath revealed these things, them, unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man, which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. What things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit is in the business of revealing. He reveals deep things of God to us, and we receive those things, and the world's not able to receive those things. In fact, the world just says, that's foolish, that's just stupid, because the world doesn't have the ability to receive these things. But just as Eliezer takes a back seat and doesn't speak of himself, the Holy Spirit does the same thing, takes a back seat. In John 7 18, it says this, why the Holy Spirit does this? Because it said, He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteous is in him. That's Eliezer. Eliezer is not speaking of himself, he doesn't even give his name because he's not seeking his own glory but he's seeking the glory of him that sent him. He's seeking the glory of Abraham that sent him. If Eliezer spoke about himself, then he'd be seeking his own glory, but he's not doing that. He's seeking the glory of Abraham. If God the Holy Spirit spoke about himself, then he'd be seeking his own glory and not the glory of God the Father who sent him to glorify God the Son. For example, a person who spoke about himself, we have the example, is Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8, 9 through 11. When it identifies, it said there was a certain man called Simon, which before time and time in the city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God, and to him they had regard because that of a long time he bewitched them with sorceries. So there's three points that are given about this man, Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8. First, giving out that himself was some great one. He was trying to promote himself. Second, they all gave heed from the least of the greatest, saying this man has great power of God. He was successful in promoting himself. To him they had regard. When they went home, the take-home message was Simon the sorcerer, not God. You know, when they went home, they said, that was a great message. When they went home, they said, that was a great speaker. When they went home, they did not say, that was a great God. So Peter saw in one point in his life that he was going to be exalted like Simon the sorcerer, and he protested after the healing of a man who he made to walk god made to walk through him in acts three twelve it says and when peter saw it he answered unto the people you men of israel why marvel at this or why look you so earnestly on us as though we by our own power or holiness have made this man to walk Then he goes on to say, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up, denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. See, when the man was healed, Peter felt the stares on him. He felt everybody look at him. He says, why are you looking at us that way? Why, he says, why look you so earnestly on us? And Peter knew, and Peter thought, they think it's by our own power or holiness that we've done that? I'll make it clear. No. He says, it's not that. It's the God of Abraham. He's glorified his son. That's why the man walks. That's why Paul said when he came to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 4, when he said, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, fear, much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power. See, Paul said he did not come having a polished speech or wisdom. And he didn't come saying, no, I've got, really got the speech that's excellent. He didn't come that way or wisdom. Paul said he didn't polish the speech with enticing words. He was in essence saying, you know, when I stood in front of my mirror and I practiced my speech to you, he said, what did I see? I saw a man who was weak. I saw a man who was fearful and I saw a man whose delivery was trembling. It can't get worse. And Paul said that that was fine, that Paul was out of the way because he says, I want this to be a demonstration of the power of the spirit of God, the power of God and what he had to say, because he knew that what would happen as long as he stayed on the point that it was going to be Jesus Christ and him crucified.
0: We'll return with our Bible study with Tom Cantor here in just a moment on the Friendship with God radio program. We want to remind you that Tom Cantor has a bookstore with all of his materials that's available online at our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Get all of Tom Cantor's materials, and there are many creation resources there, as Tom Cantor is the owner-operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. And also, he's got his daily devotional verse you can sign up for. Right at friendshipwithgod.org Sign up for that, get a daily devotional verse from Tom Cantor Just one verse from the Bible And a small commentary, one or two sentence commentary On that verse You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org Or you can call us to support this Bible teaching radio program as well With a one time or monthly contribution Call us at 800-247-3051 800-247-3051 Now here again is our Bible teacher Tom Cantor
1: that's why it's so important to see that the name of the servant is just not given in the chapter now we've seen all the negative implications for why eliezer said that he was abraham's servant and that was de-emphasizing himself but there's a positive implications of what eliezer said when he said he's abraham's servant in verse 33 because by saying that he was abraham's servant in verse 33 eliezer is saying he's on a mission i'm on a mission for abraham and what he's going to say is not from me it's from abraham himself that's the point that Paul made twice in scripture when he said in 1 Corinthians 11:23 I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you The Lord Jesus, same night he was betrayed, took bread, like we're going to do in next service. And 1 Corinthians 15, 3, he said, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. See, what Paul is saying here is that what he had given, was giving to the Corinthian believers, was what had actually went into his soul, changed him, and he was just like confessing it from his own soul. In his time alone with God, Paul had received, Paul had embraced, Paul had incorporated into his life the message that Christ had died for our sins. And then he delivers it to the Corinthian believers. It's like the bird that goes and finds the worm and chews it and regurgitates it. But that's the pattern for all effective biblical teaching. When Paul said, I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, he's saying effective biblical teaching is never effective if the teacher just delivers to the hearers sterile information that the teacher has not first and embraced and made a part of himself. Or in other words, the teacher must be personally exercised by the material before he's qualified to teach it to others. And so these are the negative, these are the positive implications of verse 34 when Eliezer says, I'm Abraham's servant. And those are the same negative and positive implications for us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4:5, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, like Eliezer, for Jesus' sake. John the Baptist is mentioned. He's a model for this. In Matthew 3.11, he says, I did baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me, he's mightier than me. And I'm not even worthy to hold his shoes. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost with fire. And so John the Baptist is pressed. Make a statement. Make a statement in John 1.22. Who art thou? We may give an answer to them and send us. What sayest thou of thyself? And John the Baptist's reply in John 1.23 is, I'm the voice, (laughs) one crying in the wilderness. It's so demeaning of yourself to call yourself a voice. What's a voice? A voice? You can't even see a voice. We can see that what happened to John the Baptist happened to Eliezer. Eliezer, what sayest thou of thyself? Eliezer says, I'm Abraham's servant. I'm Abraham's servant. He's de-emphasizing himself. He's emphasizing to the hearers, I'm sent. I'm sent by Abraham eliezer has covered himself with the truth that he is a sent one that he's been sent by abraham he's going to speak now on behalf of abraham that point of identifying yourself of seeing yourself as someone who is sent that's the holy spirit that we already seen in john 14 26 the comforter which is the holy ghost whom the father will send in my name he's going to teach you all things So when we sit here in church or we're at home and we're in our quiet time with God and we know that the Holy Spirit is teaching us or bringing something to our minds that the Lord Jesus has said, we're being taught that. We're being reminded that because the God, the Father, has sent the Holy Spirit on a specific mission to teach us and remind us that. That's wonderful. And so in John 14, 26, it tells us that God the Holy Spirit was sent by God the Father. But in John 15, 26, see 14, 26, he's sent by God the Father. Next chapter, 15, 26, the comforter whom I will send, the Lord Jesus said, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. So he sent, the God the Holy Spirit is sent by God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit is sent by God the Son. And so we see when Eliezer says, I am Abraham's servant, that he's confessing from his soul that he's sent and this was the most important part about what he had to say. And that's why he starts off his speech with saying, I am Abraham's servant. See, by Eliezer saying, I'm Abraham's servant, he's saying, I'm sent by Abraham, and that he could not speak unless he was sent by Abraham. By saying, I'm Abraham's servant, Eliezer is saying, how can I speak unless I'm sent? It's exactly the same point with us when we speak the gospel message to the lost. that Paul says in Romans 10:15, How then shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good glad times and good things. I remember speaking to a dear Orthodox Jewish close friend of mine. He's a close friend of mine. I remember spending a Sabbath day with him in London, England. And on this Jewish Sabbath, we spent the whole day walking all over London. My feet were so sore because we couldn't ride because he's Orthodox. And in the evening, we went for dinner to an Arab restaurant to break this fast, and I asked him, I said, well, how is it that you, an Orthodox, you find yourself now eating in an Arab restaurant that you would never do back in New Jersey? And he said... When you're there, you're there. When you're here, you're here. (laughs) But we're close friends, good friends. As a matter of fact, my wife and I attended his daughter's Hasidic-style wedding in, in New Jersey. And I think my wife was the only Gentile out of the 300 people. And it was a very expensive wedding. And I asked him later, I said, you know, I said to my friend, what was the expense like? And he says, expense? He said, what was the expense like? Tom, picture buying a brand new Mercedes. Fully loaded with every option they have available. And picture driving that brand new Mercedes down to the shore. Picture driving it on a pier. And then picture driving it right off the end of a pier. He goes, that's what it was like. (laughs) 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 Well, now we found ourselves in San Diego. And we spent the day together touring our facility in Takati. And we were having dinner together at Sea Level Restaurant in Harbor Island. And it was just the two of us. And we were sitting together at the table when our eyes locked. And from my soul to his soul, I brought him the gospel invitation for him to personally come to the Lord Jesus Christ to be his God and his Savior. And I remember so clearly what happened because his face got red. It got flushed. And he said, excuse me. and And he jumps up and he went to the bathroom. And he told me that he stood in front of the mirror. He almost passed out, he said. And he had to wet his face to revive. And when he returned to me, he used a word to accuse me that I had done something very wrong. And the word he used was overture. He said, you have made an inappropriate overture to me as an Orthodox Jew. And in essence, he was saying to me, what gives you the right to make this overture to my soul? And what he's saying to me is, how dare you make Jesus overture to my soul? And when he said that to me, he's like, dear friend. you know. I, mean, I was sensitive, and I, I thought, well, what does give me the right? to make this gospel overture to his soul? And I thought about his question, what really does give me the right to make this overture to his soul? Where do I really come off by having this such a chutzpah to make this gospel overture to my friend's soul? And the answer came to me, Romans 10, 15. How should they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. What gave me the right to make the gospel overture to his soul? Because I was sent by God to him to make god's gospel overture to his soul that made my feet beautiful never thought of my feet as beautiful but it did that time because i had a message of peace with god i had great news for him of great things for him and that was in the gospel overture and where did eliezer really come off by having such chutzpah to come into this house and ask to take the daughter away the daughter and the sister going to take her away to a foreign land to marry a person they've never seen Before. I mean, what gives Eliezer this right to make this audacious overture to this family to take Rebekah away? One answer Eliezer was sent by Abraham. Eliezer gave, he says, I am Abraham's servant. What a speech! that he made there. What a speech that starts off in verse 34. He starts a speech, I'm Abraham's servant. We see a pattern for us in how we make the gospel speech of the lost. When Eliezer starts a speech, I'm a servant, the speech of a faithful servant of Abraham. When Eliezer starts a speech in verse 34, I'm Abraham's servant, the speech of Abraham speaking through Eliezer. When Eliezer makes a speech, he starts a speech in verse 34, the speech that turned the hearers to Abraham. And if we want to be a faithful witness, exactly the same thing we got to do. Exactly the same thing. We have to do that. We have to be the faithful servant of our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. People see what we're saying. They'll recognize that's not the speech of Tom Cantor. That's the speech of his master, Jesus Christ, speaking through him. And the speech of what he's saying is causing people to turn to his master, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, That's what it is. Now, how could Eliezer do this? How is this possible? How could we do this? Because of what Abraham told him in verse 7. And he shall send his angel before thee. And then he reinterprets it. He's always good at kind of changing things a little bit. And so in verse 40, he says that he will send his angel with him. So before him and with him. Same answer for us. How are we able to accomplish this? The Lord Jesus speak through us. We turn our hearers to the Lord Jesus Christ. Same. The angel. The Holy Spirit. With us. Before us, and he'll cause it all to happen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the example we have here of Eliezer. Help us, Lord, to follow him and to be faithful to our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.
0: Amen. Another great Bible study from Tom Cantor. Just a reminder, if you would like to download this message for free, you can do so on our website, friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org, also available on iTunes.com and sermonaudio.com. So friendshipwithgod.org, iTunes.com, or sermonaudio.com to download today's message or past messages. Now, you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up with your email, For Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse, just one small verse from the Bible and a small exhortation or encouraging note from Tom Cantor on that verse from the Bible, you can sign up with your email at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse available through Facebook. You can befriend Tom Cantor by searching for Tom Cantor on Facebook, as well as Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God. Now, Tom Cantor... Our Bible teacher on friendship with God and the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries has put together a four-year Bible project, the Friendship with God King James Study and Reference Bible from Tom Cantor, over 2,200 pages and over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It's printed with Finland thin paper printing technology to minimize its thickness. It's covered in a black lambskin leather, gold lettering, and over 30,000 Bible column inline scripture references as well as over 20 pages of full-color maps and timelines, a full Bible concordance. This is an amazing Bible with, again, over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It's yours for a donation of $100 to the Friendship with God radio program in Israel Restoration Ministries. It's available now, so call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Make your donation today for the Friendship with God Bible at 800 247 3051 or go online to friendshipwithgod.org for more information or again call us at 800-247-3051 800-247-3051